So have you ever had an experience where you're just profoundly welcomed right in? Have you ever known what it feels like to really and truly belong? A number of years ago when we were pastoring in northern Manitoba, we were headed down to my sister's place for a great Thanksgiving dinner, and it was a really, really long drive with a very, very small child. So you can imagine how that went. It was long, it was a little bit grueling, and by the time we were getting towards Winnipeg, even an hour and a half out, it was just like pitch dark out, and everybody else was asleep in the car. I'm driving along, and I keep driving past various different farmhouses and houses as we get closer to Winnipeg, and all the lights of these houses are just lit up. I just kept seeing through the window after house after house after house, all kinds of families gathered together, experiencing this really good gift of a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner together. And it was a strange experience because all of a sudden I just felt overwhelmingly sad. I just felt profoundly lonely. I had this deep longing in the depths of my soul. I just wanted to belong. I wanted that sense of welcome. I wanted that sense of inclusion. I said to myself, this is ridiculous. In like an hour and a half, I'm going to walk into my sister's house. My whole family's going to be there. I'll be in exactly the same space. But in that moment, it didn't really matter. It was just this sense of longing, this aching to just belong, to be included, to be held in the context of community. And then sure enough, about an hour and a half later, I walk into my sister's house and we experience that moment, just that beautiful sense of connection, that space of belonging, when you're with people that you don't have to explain who you are or what you're about, when there's that sense of common understanding. I think this is what we all long for, isn't it? We all long for this space of a deep embrace, this warm sense of belonging where we don't need to explain ourselves, where we are known and loved as we are. We long for the sense of welcome that someone would draw us in and wrap us in their arms with a sense of delight and anticipation. And every human relationship is fractured and flawed. There is no family, there is no church, there's no community where we can experience this in its perfect essence. And for some of us, we have lived our whole lives just desperately longing for some sense of belonging, for that rich sense of welcome. And the amazing thing is that God is perfect, and God is infinite. And in the wonder of His presence, we experience this thing that our hearts and our minds and our souls have always longed for, this overwhelming, life-giving welcome where we are simply drawn in and held exactly as we are. And God invites me and He invites you not just to sample His presence, not just to nibble around the edges, but to experience it, to dive right in in fullness and in wholeness to know His love and His care and His acceptance, His belonging, His empowering, His strength, His life flowing in us and through us because He loves us. He loves us to the extent that He gave His life for you. That's the depths of His passion for you. And over the course of the last number of weeks, we've been talking about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And today we want to look at what does it look like and what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the presence of the Holy Spirit, we experience this kind of embrace, this kind of welcome, this kind of belonging, this kind of empowering. So let's pray together as we start off together. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the overwhelming reality of your love. We thank you, Lord, that you've shown us in Jesus that there is nothing you would not do for us. You have given your very self for us. Open our hearts and our minds to receive you in the wonders of your love today. 
We pray today, Lord, that we would walk through this morning and we would see you and know you more, that this time would be clear, that nothing would be able to hinder. But we pray more than that, Lord, that we would have a profound encounter with you. And so in Jesus' name, we just proclaim the rule of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the dominion of Jesus over us and over this time. We silence every voice of condemnation, any voice of unhealthy religion. We silence in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just long for you. Would you meet us in these moments? In Jesus' name, amen. And so over the course of this fall, we've been talking a lot about who we are as a church. We are a group of people who are called to make Jesus known. We're called to make him known to the fullness of every part of who we are and every fiber of our being. And we are called to make him known to this region and to the world all around us as he gives us opportunities to do this. We talked about this idea that we can only accomplish this as we rightly understand who we are as a church, that every one of us, every man, every woman, every child, we are empowered ministers of the gospel. You are a minister of the gospel in your home and in your school and in your workplace and in your neighborhood and everywhere that Jesus sends you out every single day, you are there as a representation of his presence and of his life. We've also talked about this idea that we can't accomplish this without the infilling power of the Holy Spirit, without his presence, because in our own strength, we can only accomplish what we can do, which is maybe something, but it's not a whole lot. But as we live life in step with Jesus in the fullness of his life and his Holy Spirit, what God will do through us is what God can accomplish, not just what we can accomplish. And today we have this really good gift to dive into a deeper understanding of what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the next week we're going to dive into our Advent series and just talk for the time leading up to Christmas about the beautiful gifts that Jesus gives to us and the ways that we can thrive and flourish and grow more in Him. But today I'm really excited about this opportunity we have just to know more of the person to experience the Holy Spirit, maybe on a deeper level than we have before. And this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a new concept. It didn't just happen in the last number of years or with great worship music that's being produced in the States or somewhere else. We see in the New Testament the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is central to who we are as the people of God. For example, when Jesus was gathered together with his disciples for about 40 days after he'd been risen, he'd been crucified, he died, he rose from the dead, he's a whole new Jesus. He's like an alive Jesus on a level that no one had ever seen before. And he sits down with his disciples and explains to them the truth of what life is all about. And one of the things he says to them is this. He says, I'm going to send what my Father has promised, but stay in this city until you've been clothed with power from on high. I love that image, clothed with power from on high. It reminds me of this idea they will be just wrapped in the presence of God. They will be immersed and covered holistically with the wonder and the goodness of God himself in the person of his Holy Spirit. And I find this really interesting because Jesus has been raised from the, from the dead. Salvation is now possible for all of humanity, and there's an entire world out there that has no idea who Jesus is, and certainly that nobody knows that he's been raised from the dead. All of humanity is waiting for salvation and for peace with God, and what does Jesus say to them? Jesus says, I want you to wait. I want you to wait and to stay in Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. Because the person and work of the Holy Spirit is so essential to who we are as the people of God that we dare not step out until we have been clothed and wrapped with the wonder of his presence. Jesus recognizes that his church cannot be his church without the presence of the Spirit, and so he tells them, don't even begin the mission until you've experienced being wrapped in the presence of God. And then it comes. 
As we move to Acts chapter 2, we get this picture of what it looks like when they're clothed with power from on high. We read, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Yeah, this is the beautiful moment. This is the birth of the church. This is that experience where the people of God become filled with the wonder of His presence, and as they are filled, they are radically changed. They move from a group of people who are hiding away and afraid to those who boldly proclaim the wonder and the power of Jesus and live this power out day in and day out, sharing the gospel with everyone everywhere, regardless of the cost. It's an interesting thought that 11 out of the 12 disciples did not die a natural death. They were killed for their faith. But as they were filled with the presence and the power of God, they were willing and able to walk through anything and everything for the wonder and the glory of who He is. They were given boldness and strength and power and capacity. And a radical change takes place in this moment. Up to this point in time, the Holy Spirit of God would come upon people for a particular task or for a particular period of time, but now the very presence of God comes and flows and lives within the very life and fiber of His people. It means that me and you have the very presence of Almighty God within us. And this would have been so scandalous, this would have been beyond the imagination of the early church because they knew the very presence of God is in the most holy place inside the temple and only one person on one day a year gets to go in. And the rumor was that when the high priest went into the most holy place, they would tie a rope around his ankle because if there was something wrong, the holiness of God would strike him down and nobody else could go in and get the body and they would need to drag him out. Because the power of God is so overwhelming, the holiness of God is so perfect, the wonder of God is so magnificent that only one person once a year would dare go in to offer sacrifice. And now this very presence of God comes and pours in to his people. He comes and fills them. And from that moment on, every single one of us, when we give our lives to Jesus, the presence of God Almighty and His Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. It's shocking. It's magnificent. It's amazing that the God who created and sustains all of the universe chooses to take up residence within me and within you and to pour out His wisdom and His strength and His capacity and His life into us and through us. And we see in the Scriptures this longing and desire to continue to walk with Him and to experience more and more of Him. Again, in Acts chapter 2, all the people who are following Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. And just two chapters later, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John have been praying, they've healed a man in Jesus' name, and they get in all kinds of trouble for it. The rulers and the leaders take them in, they threaten them, and they send them out. Peter and John go back to the church, they explain the situation and say, you know, we've been told we can't proclaim the name of Jesus anymore or there's going to be all kinds of terrible consequences. The church does what it should do. It gathers together and it prays. And I'm shocked at their prayer. This is what they pray. Lord, now consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We read that after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
So again, in chapter two, they've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. In chapter four, they cry out to God for more and more of him, and they're filled all over again with the presence and the life of the Spirit of God, and they speak the word of Jesus boldly. I'm amazed by this prayer because I think if it was me, and I was being threatened, and other people were telling me that I couldn't preach the name of Jesus, probably my prayer would be a whole lot about, Jesus, would you protect me? Jesus, would you surround us as a community? Would you guard us from those in authority that are trying to push against us? And my, my focus would probably be on myself or on us as a community. But that isn't how they pray at all. Certainly they say, Lord, would you consider their threats? These threats are there. Would you consider them and do whatever you want to do with them? But what they ask for, the longing and desire of their heart in a space of pain and tension and threat, is they say, Jesus, would you empower us to speak your truth with boldness? Would your Holy Spirit pour through us mightily in healing and miraculous signs and wonders so that there would be no denying the reality and the truth of who you are? This is what got them into trouble in the first place. They healed someone in Jesus' name, and they say, Lord, would you do more and more and more? Would you pour out this healing and your power and your might, enable us to proclaim the wonder of who you are so everybody knows who you are, even if it's dangerous for us? And the place where they're meeting is just shaken, and the wonder of the glory of God descends on them all over again. And then we move to Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul's instructing and guiding the church as to how they ought to live and who they ought to be. He says to the church, he says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And Paul is saying to the church, don't get drunk on wine. It makes you ignorant and difficult for people around you. It hinders your own life. Don't do it. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because as you're filled with the presence and the Spirit of God, it blesses you and you become a blessing to everybody else around you. And this is the will of God for you. It's interesting the phrases that Paul uses here in Greek. He's describing this. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The language and verbiage is actually continuously be filled with the Spirit. Go on, ongoingly, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And his advice to the church is you just want more and more and more and more and more. Live your whole life in a relentless pursuit of more of the presence and the person and the Spirit of God. Just keep on being filled over and over and over and over again because it's magnificent and it's wonderful and this is the will of God for you. But for some of us, the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit seems a little bit frightening. Maybe we've had some bad experiences, or we've heard some unsure things, or something's happened, and we're just a little bit afraid, or maybe we're afraid of losing control. But let's remember where we've been over the course of these last four or five weeks together as we've talked about the Holy Spirit. And we've been reminded that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. This is the presence of God Almighty. And God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they always work together in perfect harmony and in perfect unity. The Holy Spirit would never lead us into anything that would be contrary to the character and the nature of Christ. As we trust Christ for our salvation and for our eternal destiny, we can certainly trust the Holy Spirit to only lead us into what is good and right, what will cause the kingdom of God to flourish and to thrive within us. And as the Apostle Paul reminds us, it is the Holy Spirit of God that teaches our souls the truth that we are children of God. Because for so many of us, we wrestle through all of our lives feeling a sense of condemnation, 
a sense of shame, a sense of inadequacy. For some of us, we live with this nagging feeling that if somehow, if we disappoint God, He's just going to shun us and push us out the side. And the Apostle Paul tells us the Holy Spirit does not make us slaves again to fear. He doesn't produce this kind of fear in us. What the Spirit does is that He speaks to the deep places of our souls and affirms to us that we are the children of God. And so if you find yourself wrestling with shame or a sense of condemnation, where we find ourselves wrestling with this feeling that we're just not enough, and if we blow it, God is just going to shun us and throw us out the side, that's not the voice of God. We just need more of the Holy Spirit of God to affirm to us the truth that we are His children who are warmly welcomed with the good and the bad and the ugly of who we are, that He longs to embrace us and to heal us, to forgive us and to free us and to sanctify us and to make us holy. And He welcomes us in. And then we were reminded that it's the Holy Spirit who empowers us. We don't need to live the Christian life in our own strength or in our own capacity. He pours His life into us and through us. He anoints us and strengthens us and gives us giftings, capacity of His own presence working through us to accomplish all of the work that He's ever called us to do. And He pours His life into us to make us holy. Again, for some of us, we are wrestling profoundly with temptations that we just can't resist. And over and over and over again, we find ourselves falling into these same temptations that consume us. And yet what we need is not more willpower, what we need is not more strength. What we need is a deeper level of intimacy with the Holy Spirit, because He is the one who can empower us. He is the one who can make us holy. And in the grace and mercy of God, He never calls us to do something that He won't strengthen and empower us to do. He gifts us and empowers us for all of these things. And then we choose to live our lives in step with the Spirit of God. And we do this for ourselves because it's best for us, and we desperately long for more of Jesus for our own souls, but we also do this because we live in a world that is overwhelmingly broken. We live in a world that is full of horrors and disasters and pain and loss. And we do this because this world just needs a whole lot more of Jesus. And as we choose to live in step with Him, the presence and the life of God flows through us in ever greater power and strength and capacity to bring healing and joy and comfort and strength and compassion and peace and mercy and grace into a world that is so desperately in need. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, He produces really good fruit within us. The Spirit doesn't lead us to places where we are out of control or where things are dis disastrous or painful. The Holy Spirit within us produces love and joy and peace and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. And for so many of us, this is desperately what we need. For many of us, we've recognized on some particular part of our lives, we are simply out of control. We can no longer deny the fact that we cannot stop ourselves from moving in some unhealthy and destructive patterns, and we desperately need the movement of the Spirit of God within us to bring a healthy level of self-control. For some of us, we are so bitter, and we are so angry, and we are so impatient, and we need the Holy Spirit of God to pour His life through us so that we become patient and kind 
For some of us, we recognize that our spouse or someone in our family profoundly needs a sense of the gentleness of God because living with them can sometimes feel like a nightmare. And in all of these things, the presence of Jesus invites us to go further and further with Him because this is the life that we long for. This is what our souls crave, is this beautiful, life-giving intimacy with our Creator. And only as we are filled with His presence more and more, as the Apostle Paul told us, we go on ongoingly being filled with Him. It produces this goodness within us. And so what does this feel like? What can it be like to experience a sense of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God? Again, it can feel like a whole lot of different things. The Holy Spirit is infinite in power and infinite in creativity. He knows you better than you know yourself. And so when the Spirit of God meets with you, He will touch you in the way that He believes to be best. But for many people, as they experience a sense of the filling of the Holy Spirit, what it feels like to them is a profound sense of love. It's that warm embrace that I talked about at the beginning. It's that sense of someone seeing all of you and knowing you, but still welcoming you in fully, delighting in who you are. It's a sense of being wrapped in the wonder of the presence of God. For others, an experience of the filling of the Holy Spirit comes to them in a sense of healing, or maybe a profound sense of peace or maybe a deeper capacity to resist temptation and to obey the voice of God, to walk with Him and to follow. Maybe it's this wonderful sense of holiness. As the Holy Spirit meets us, it may come in a sense of new gifting or new strength or empowering. Maybe He takes the gifts that you already have and magnifies them on a different level so they produce something powerful that you've never known before. Or maybe He pours into you new gifting that you've never known and you get to express the life of God within you in fresh and in new ways. However it looks, it is always good and it is right, and there's a, a, a wide range of how He wants to meet with us. Again, in my own life, I've experienced a significant range of what this looks like. When I was 18 years old, I was on a bus coming back from a short-term missions trip to Tijuana. I was actually in the church where Pastor Roberto and Betty are now pastoring. Uh, we realized that we were actually pro probably all there at the same time, uh, like all of those years ago. I can't even count that high right now to know how many years ago it was. Um, but it, it was, uh, yeah. So anyway, I was on the bus, headed back, and I was reading through the book of Isaiah. God led me to Isaiah chapter 6 on the stinky bus with like 200 of my closest teenage friends. And uh, I was just struck with the wonder of who God is. The fact that he's high and lifted up, that he's so holy and he's so worthy. And the Holy Spirit helped me to recognize how much I was living for myself, that my life was consumed with me. And I didn't even have words to know what to ask. And so I just said, Lord, you can take all of me. I don't want to live anymore trying to please myself, trying to please you, trying to be everything, trying to make all of my life about me. Just take all of my life and use it however you want. And this beautiful sense of peace just descended over me. And I recognized after that I had a really different capacity to resist temptation. I had a really different level of passion and excitement to read the Bible and to be in prayer and to engage with the people of God. I just kept noticing that things just felt different. Sin felt really uncomfortable, and the presence of God felt more and more comfortable. In another season of life, I knew that God wanted more for me but I just couldn't get there. 
And for a series of years, anyone everywhere who might possibly pray for me to experience more of the Holy Spirit, I was there, I was going for it, and I was asking them to pray for me for more of the Spirit of God, and nothing would happen, nothing at all. I remember going to uh, one denomination leader, our former president, David Hearn, and asking Dave to pray for me, and Dave prayed for me, and he just said, you're as full as you can be right now. The problem is that you have no more capacity for God. And that led me on a journey to deal with some of the issues and areas of my life to create more capacity in my soul for more of Jesus because I knew I just needed so much more. I remember at one point going for prayer another time and Doug Balzer prayed for me and nothing happened. And he just said to me, you know, sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes God's doing another kind of work within you and you're not going to feel or experience anything. And again, for some of us, this is where we are today. For some of you, you've gone for prayer, you've gone to experience more of Jesus and nothing has happened. And it's created a sense of disillusionment or shame or discouragement within you, and I have been there, trust me. But in those kinds of spaces, what God is doing within us is producing a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. He's doing a deep kind of work of sanctification that can't be done in any other way. And his choice not to give us more of him at that moment is a profound expression of his love as he's leading us to a place where he can give us more than we could possibly hold at that particular point in time. I remember another kind of experience when I was at our Alliance General Assembly once, and I was going forward for prayer to experience more of the Holy Spirit. As the guy started to pray for me, he just said, Holy Spirit, come, and instantaneously, the presence of God just consumed me in such a way that my body just collapsed because I couldn't stand under the weight of the glory of God. And a number of people gathered around me, and they just began to pray for me, and I had this beautiful vision of the healing presence of Jesus just washing over me, and all of the ways that I had been wounded and hurt and damaged through life, I felt the healing presence of Jesus over all of those internal wounds. They've never hurt the same way again. And he poured into me fresh gifting. I began to speak in tongues and experience other gifts as well. It was this moment of powerful interaction with the presence of God. But most of the time, when I experience a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, it just comes in this beautiful sense of being wrapped in the loving presence of God of just knowing this deep affirmation that I belong with him and that he delights in me. Honey, whatever your experience of the Holy Spirit has been, it is legitimate. We don't have to have a massive, wild experience for it to be legitimate. We don't have to have a silent experience for it to be legitimate because the Holy Spirit of God is infinite and creative, and he meets with us in the unique ways that he desires. We don't ever need to feel a sense of shame or comparison trying to compare our experience of the Holy Spirit with somebody else's because He delights to meet you uniquely. And He invites us into this ongoing journey where we just keep experiencing more and asking Him for more and more and more of His presence. And so today, whether you've had a massive, wild experience of the filling of the Holy Spirit in the past or one that's been very silent and peaceful or whether you've had no experience at all, how could we not want more? Why would we wait and say, I had a great experience in the past and that's enough for me when God is infinite and there's so much more of him to experience? Why would we not long for a deeper, richer, more dynamic life and interaction with him today and tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that as he invites us to ongoingly be filled with his presence? A few years ago, he gave me an image that was really helpful for me in understanding more of what this is meant to look like. 
I was uh, helping Maria's brother to uh, change their barbecue. They were trying to move from you know, having a, uh, a propane tank on the barbecue to attaching it to the main gas line of the house, and we were profoundly grateful that there was another brother-in-law there who was an engineer because the two pastors, we never could have figured it out. It would have been a disaster. Um, <clears throat> We got through it eventually, and as I was driving home that evening, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, Andrew, this is what I want for you. Andrew, you are living every day tank to tank with only as much of me as you can carry within yourself. You're living from devotional time to devotional time or Sunday to Sunday, from great spiritual experience to great spiritual experience, and that's not what I want for you. He said to me, Andrew, I want you to be permanently connected to the limitless resources of my presence. I want you to live every day permanently attached to the fullness of who I am so that my life can flow through you to bless and to encourage others. And again, for many of us today, we are living tank to tank. We are living from our devotional time in the morning to our devotional time the next morning, or we're living from what we experience Sunday morning to what we experience in church the next Sunday. We're living from one great spiritual experience to the next one, and it's not the best that Jesus has for us. His longing and his desire for you is that you would live permanently attached to the fullness of his presence, that the limitless resources of God would meet you in your marriage and in your family and in your school and in your workplace and in your neighborhood. They would meet you in moments of temptation and in moments of great joy. They would meet you in moments where you're serving and ministering to others and when you are worshiping Jesus in the silence of a beautiful moment. His longing for each of us is that we would live permanently and intimately attached to him in this life-giving sense of abiding. Where we do what the Apostle Paul told us, we are simply filled ongoingly. And again, this is Jesus. This is the presence of God. How could we not want so much more? And so how do we experience more? How do we engage with God in this beautiful gift that he desires to give to us? Again, the first step is always a step of surrender, that moment like me on the bus where we simply say, God, you can have all of me, every part that you want, every bit of my life, whatever you want to do, I am holistically yours. Because the interesting thing about God is that God is infinitely powerful, but God will not take you anywhere that you're not willing to go. And he will only give you as much of his presence as you want. And so his challenge to us is to be open and willing, because every part of ourselves that we hold back from him is full of us. It's not full of him. And so to experience more of the fullness of God, we simply say, Jesus, would you just take all of me? I want the fullness of your spirit in every part of who I am. And then we simply ask. We just say, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of your Holy Spirit. And for some of us, this is challenging. Because for some of you today, for a long time, you have believed the lie that God does not really want you. You believe the lie that God would do something significant in the life of someone else, but he would never uniquely touch you. And there's this hindrance, there's this resistance to get close to the presence of God because you feel like he's going to shame you or hurt you. What he's inviting us to remember is the wonder of who he is. Jesus talked about this in a parable somewhere that I cannot remember because it's not in my notes and I'm going off script. Uh, but Jesus talked about this idea that, you know, what father, if he asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or asking for something good would give him a scorpion? And Jesus says, the father will give you the good gift of the Holy Spirit. We have to believe that the Holy Spirit is a good gift. 
And God's not going to try and trick us and give us something that would be damaging or unproductive. And for some of us, we have so much fear. But this is the presence of God alive and moving within us. And we need the courage to ask. And then as we ask, there's this process of seeking. For some of us, simply to ask God is enough. And that is our process of seeking. For others of us, certainly for me, we need somebody else to pray for us for a deeper experience of the Spirit of God because we just need that communal element to it. And sometimes for some of us, it will be an ongoing process of seeking over the course of time. Certainly for me, there was a space of years where I just knew and was seeking after more, and it seemed like nothing was happening. And as I've been preparing for this message, I've been really, really sure that today God wants to meet some of us in a really unique and a powerful way of expressing His love and His care for you. And there are a few of us today that He's going to ask to wait. There are a few of us today that are going to seek Him and long for Him for more of His presence, and what He's going to say to you is, right now I'm doing something else, and I will meet with you, but not right now. And if that's you, don't be discouraged and don't feel ashamed. There's nothing wrong. It's just that God is doing a unique and a different kind of work to create in you that hunger and thirst for righteousness, to bring healing to areas where you may be wounded, and to prepare your heart to receive more of Him than you possibly could if He met you in this moment. It's a gift of His love and an expression of His care to you to move in this way. And then He will invite us into this experience of abiding, of simply resting in the ongoing presence of Jesus. What we want to do is we want to be sure that we deal with anything and everything that could stop the flow of the constant movement of His presence within us. And so we want to deal with sin, and we want to deal with bitterness, and we want to deal with unforgiveness, and anything that might slow down the movement of the work of God, this gas line of the limitless resources of His presence flowing through us. And we want to continue to seek Him. We want to seek Him for more through the Bible and through prayer and through community and through just an ongoing longing for more of the presence of God. Again, today he's inviting us into this space because God's very best for me and his very best for you is that we would live in the warm embrace of his welcome. That we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we belong, that he delights in us as good children of God, that we would be free from this fear of condemnation, that we would be empowered to carry his work forward and to live the holy lives that he's inviting us into, that our lives would be characterized by the fruit of the Spirit. This is his best longing for us. And so in a minute, I'm going to pray for all of us, and the band's going to come back out, uh, and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. As the band leads us through these next couple of songs, there's going to be a number of us who will be up here at the front who would just love to pray with you. If, if you feel this longing or this sense or this need on your heart that you need more of the presence of God in your life, we're going to just invite you to come and to be prayed for during this time. And again, as we come to be prayed for, we always recognize we cannot control how God chooses to meet with us or when. All that we do as we come to be prayed for to experience more of the Spirit of God is we just say that we are willing. We are simply asking Jesus to move. And then He chooses to do whatever it is that He wants to do because He delights in us and He loves us and He invites us into this space. And so let's pray together. Our God and our Father, we are so profoundly grateful for Your love for us. We are so grateful, God, that you loved us to the extent that you would give your Son your very self for us, that we could be made whole and made holy. That your will and your longing and desire for each one of us is that we would be filled with your presence more and more and more, ongoingly in the wonder and the goodness of your presence in life. 
We ask for these moments, Lord, that you would protect us from anything of the evil one that would seek to steal or kill or distract or destroy. We would have an unhindered capacity to experience more of the wonder of who you are. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come. Holy Spirit, would you fill us as a community in a fresh and in a new way? Would you anoint us and empower us for the work that you've called us to do that we might make you known to every fiber of who we are and to every part and every life of this region and around the world as you open the doors for us? Lord, we long for more of you. And Lord, where we are struggling, would you meet us? Would you release us from our fear and give us a healthy, holy hunger and thirst for you and for all the things of you? In Jesus' name, amen.